That's oh, yeah. I read. He likes uh, not the whole thing. It's not the whole Mike's thing. Mike's story time. I love it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Let I'm going to read it. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us once again on the Delco Young Democast. My name is Mike DeEva. It is awesome to talk to you again. Uh, joining me in the podcast oubliette today, uh, we have Gina Amoroso. What's up? How are you? I am wonderful. How are you? You know, for having a bladder infection, I'm pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling like really good, which is great. And now you see how we roll here. <laughs> and joining us for the first time, Delaware County Young Dems Vice President Amanda Hammock. How you doing? I'm awake and sore from marching yesterday. Like, that was a lot. Yeah. That is not necessarily a bad thing. No. But, uh, since this is your first time joining us, why don't you tell us kind of how you got involved and what you do? So you would think that I would actually be used to this. Um, but every time someone asks me that, I'm like, ah, oh, there's so much to list. Um, so I always start this story kind of of I accidentally fell into this kind of crazy world and it happened to be at a an American Legion meeting which sounds kind of really strange that a Democrats in a American Legion meeting maybe um, and it was a random conversation um, that I was having with my husband and the chairman of the Marple Newtown Dems happened to be a member as well and he you know said oh you sound like someone that would you know do pretty well joining a committee and that's where it all started um <laughs> so i am the vice chair marple for marple newtown committee and from there i kind of fell through the door of delaware county democratic committee office i um, am usually the first person that you see in the office when you come through the door um in my giant table and chair uh I like that chair. Yeah, I love that chair. Um, <laughs> is that the chair I sat in this this week? Was it the big brown? No, the blue one. Everyone oh. loves that blue one, too. So that's why we haven't gotten rid of the blue one. But the big brown kind of mahogany looking um. one. It looks all cool. So And it is comfy. Nice. Um, but I also am, of course, vice president, one of the vice presidents for the Delco Young Dems. And... Mm. To add another thing on, I'm a co-leader for Indivisible Mainline South. So one of my biggest favorite kind of things to mention to everyone is, is I have a foot in one end of kind of each one of those. I'm, I'm in the grassroots and I'm in kind of, you know, the, the political party. And it kind of gives me a unique, uh, you know, perspective um, and understanding, which is invaluable with, you know, all the things that we do. And believe it or not, I had gotten burnt out you know, from the 2016 election. No. And I, I know, well, 14 hours, I spent 14 <laughs> hours at the at the polls that day for, as a committee person, you yeah. know, handing these things out. And I felt good. I thought we were, you know, gonna, we were winning. We There was no chance. No one's ludicrous even, you know, mm. even even the darkest ones. I was like, you can't vote for this guy. I mean, come on. And, mm. and so 14 hours, I didn't go to the after party. I, did, I went home and I went to, bed like I did check but I went to bed because I thought we were fine I was gonna wake up in the morning and we were fine I woke up and I went whole uh, whoa um <laughs> and so for a good 
maybe month and a half after that I went that's it I'm done I just spent 14 hours and this crazy lunatic and heaven knows what he's going to be able to do uh, got elected and that's it you know I, I didn't want to do anything and lo and behold came Indivisible Mainline South um, and a few people that I knew went come on over you know this is this is the resistance this is where we start you know and I was a little tentative, but I kind of accredit them to keeping me going. Nice. Um, and I really do think that had they not, had I not joined them, I probably would have, you know, spent the last year in a rock, you know, under a bridge somewhere, just sucking my thumb in a fetal position because, <laughs> you know, he has proven everything I was afraid of. Um, everything we thought and more. Right, right. And and at this point, everyone goes, can you believe? And I'm like, I, that's not even a question anymore. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go, can you believe when he says, have a nice day and genuinely means it to someone? <laughs> I mean, that's never happened before. So. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, so... Yeah, that's pretty much, you know, where I'm at. And then, you know, here I am with this, right? Cool, cool, cool. Thank you, Indivisible Mainline South. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the Indivisible Mainline South people. Because we would seriously be lost without you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me in, 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 in this world, in this craziness. I, I mean, mean, 2017 in Delco doesn't happen if it's not for Amanda. I'll say it. Yeah. Thank you. No, I, I mean... You're going to make me crawl under the table and be like, oh. That's why I always hide. I, I don't know if anyone's noticed that. I think you did when it uh, uh, was the victory party. Like, yeah. I, my mission, literally, I hide every time I know someone's going to say my name. Because yeah. I don't do this for that. I do this because I want everyone at the table. Everyone needs to be at the table. Every voice, every person, every, every, everyone at the table. You know, 100%. So. Yeah, I remember uh, your husband, Brian, and I were in the back of the room kind of pointing, pointing you <laughs> yes. out to everybody. <laughs> but, I did. Um, but, I forgot about that. Yeah. I was but. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I got in the best photo bomb of my life at that party, That too, is so. the most, that is my favorite. I, I wanted that to be a Christmas card. Like, have you seen that, Gina? No. It is the best. It, it's Ruth Ann, and I kind of forget a couple the other I, I but tell mike you is literally just kind of perfect opportunity grin with this just bright smile with, and and it's like he's jumping through it with and the it was worst great. hat hair right I've right ever had. right it's the best i'll have to i'm gonna send it to you it's i feel like that should be like our new cover photo for a group or something. <gasps> there you go <laughs> you know the delco young democast facebook page still needs a cover photo so i mean I was thinking it was going to be like us talking, but you know. No, I think that <laughs> me, making, think me making an ass of myself is kind of you know the whole point of this. Yes, and everyone loves it though. I mean, that's... I mean, I can't yeah. think of anything better. So <laughs> it's already voted on the two Mine. sweetest words in the English language: <laughs> default. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, you brought up the women's march uh, yeah. a minute ago. As we record, that happened yesterday. Two of us were unable to attend due to illness. But uh, Amanda, as we heard earlier, you know, yeah, yeah, infection. I mean, <laughs> I'm really open gonna, about my. I was about to say, if you're putting it out on Front Street like that, <laughs> I mean, literally, I'm not. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm dying. Like this is what's <laughs> happening. Like, let me tell you about everything. <laughs> when you've been like to as when, many doctors and specialists as I am, and like, and you can't, like, you have, you can't be like, oh, I'm gonna be late because of this, or I have to leave work because of that. You're just like. After you see a specialist, I'm like not okay. That I'm just yeah. like yeah, whatever. It's Here like it is. it's good. <laughs> it's like the women that were telling Mike Pence about their periods when he was governor of Indiana. Oh my god, and being a shitbag. <laughs> 
that between that just and makes you want to tell more man. Yeah. exactly how, but, how much can we make Mike Pence cringe? That should be a whole nother. <laughs> Wait, let's pause this for you like have to a have, hot you have to have You have to have facial expressions in order to cringe. You so. guys know about the whole like Mike Pence and Mulan thing, right? Oh my God. Please, please say yes. No, I don't. Mike Pence wrote an op-ed. I think he was governor when he did it. Basically an op-ed saying that Mulan, the Disney movie, like the great Disney movie, that it was... Uh, encouraging the demasculization of the military and promoting uh, <laughs> lesbianism. Lesbianism or feminism? I can't remember. It's from like 1998. Literally, you Google it and the op-ed pops. It's like one of the first two hits. As if Disney needed any more. <laughs> but literally, he's just like, I don't like this is harmful to our children. What are we teaching them? And it's great looking back on it like 20 years later but like could you imagine like being in 1998 like he had to like print that in like a paper and everything oh. i love it i just want to so know like how much do it for us on the delco young <laughs> forever guess, how much <laughs> shows over how, how much do you have to put into that like who where does that even come from like i mean it's the same man who thinks you can literally electrocute gayness out of people so like i feel like the two ideas while like really out there are like in the same solar system yeah, like, but did he go through hundred... all disney movies to to purposely find one that fit the agenda that or did I'm it happen sh- by accident my what? guess is because like mulan really is like the first disney movie where she's like she's not a princess right she is in the mil like she joins the right. military yeah. and, she's like, a badass goes, yeah she's a badass so fuck mike pence on that one but anyway <laughs> but like the two ideas like i because my the reason I brought this up is because, like, my brother and my dad didn't know about this either. So I, like, told him about it, like, five days ago. And they were like, that's so out there. I was like, yeah, it's out there. But, like, it's if, in line with everything else he if believes. It, if it's the yeah. Pence realm. Like, I, like, like, you didn't have to convince me that this was true. Right, exactly. Like, the ideas are, like, way out there in another solar system. But they're all in the same solar system together out Again, there. Again, it's not surprising. Right. <laughs> yes, Women's March. Mike Pence dancing. Mother. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> it's also so creepy that he calls his wife mother. I think that's so weird. It's very Norman Bates. I mean. Brian, yeah, Brian Hanegard, yeah. our. Uh, Resident. Uh, what are we? Honorary. We consider honorary you the young honorary dem, young dem because you're kind of a bit over the age group. So, anyway. So the Women's March. The Women's March. Um, <laughs> so it? It, it You know what? This. So this was my second. Um, I went to Philly last year. Um if you know me, you know my my kind of short story was I was ill last year and it wasn't over just, you know, Trump uh, and the election turnout, but I was legitimately um, sick and I was kind of pining watching the TV and, and uh, lo and behold, our honorary young dem over there literally <laughs> drug me out the door onto the train, onto the Frank, uh, the, what is it? The and Frankfurt, Frankfurt line. Um, and... I got to go um, and it was surreal then um, and I remember the crowd size. We weren't quite DC but we were quite a lot um, and so this year you know that story was kind of you know in my head and you know so much had happened and I knew where we were meeting up with Indivisible Mainline South. I think Term PA Blue was there. There was quite a lot um, and heading down even then I started noticing the crowd was way more wow. than of course last year's and um 
I had arrived late last year, so we were far back on the parkway. Um, and this year, I was smack dab right up in front of the fountain. Nice. Um, and it is one of those moments where you kind of can't fully express into uh, words. Um, I was talking to Jen O'Mara, uh, and I said, be prepared, you're going to cry. Like, you know, e- even the hardest ones of us who pretend like we've got it all together you cry at least like six times because it's such an overwhelming emotional moment. Mm. And of course they, they let off with, uh, what is it? We, uh, rise up. Mm-hmm. And I, d- within the first like three <laughs> bars of it, you're just like, ah, and you're crying because you're like, there's so many people there. Um, there were a lot more, one of the, the big surprising things that I noticed, there were a lot more men there this year. Cool. Um, that, you know, they were there in their supportive roles. They weren't trying to take over, you know, they weren't, you know, making it about them. They were there, you know, holding the sign. And and when they would hold the sign, it was like in front of them, you know, like face out, you know, for their wife or for whoever they were with, um, with tons of messages about I'm here for her or, you know, because of my daughters or so forth and so on. So that was a big one. Um, a lot of, Uh, older people which kind of surprised me because um there weren't a ton last year it was I I don't want to say it was an exclusively young crowd but you you could definitely tell the age kind of gap in that um it it was really inspiring um there there were moments where you know it's a roller coaster kind of because you know at one moment you're like yay we're all united and the next moment you're like screw that guy that keeps screwing up like you know like i can't you know so it, it's exhausting you know the the yeah. march alone is exhausting the march from wherever you get dropped off is exhausting and yeah. then you know here you are going ups and downs you know on the emotional level but you really i encourage um and again this kind of goes back to how i have feet in both ends i i have it in the the work, the actual work, you know, that I do for like petitions and, you know, campaigns and stuff. And then that grassroots where, you know, you're out with protest signs. I encourage, you know, do both. You know, the, the, that's, it, it kind of fills your cup up when you're there, you know, you, you kind of, you, you run that getting kind of empty. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're standing with 50, 60,000 other people who are just as angry and just as passionate as you are. And suddenly you're like, I can keep doing this. I can keep going, you know? So it was cool. Yeah. Did we hear, is that, is that like an official, like final number of, for attendance? You you know know? what I have. So that the 60,000 was the projection. I haven't seen it, believe it or not. And you know me, I'm constantly looking through, you know, I've seen them for some of the other cities. I think Chicago had like, I think they said like almost 300,000. Was it LA? It was like. LA like was the, huge. Yeah. LA, I think it was, it was LA had like 300,000. It was like one out of every nine people that lives in Los Angeles That's was insane. there or something. Did you hear yeah. about the little town? I think it's in like Nova Scotia or somewhere, but it's like, there's literally like 68 residents and 35 of them marched in their little town. Wow. Well, and, and that was, that's awesome. And what I had found out too late, um, media, yeah, media had had and and those are, you know, I always feel bad when we don't kind of catch those things, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. go like, hey, if you can't make it out the door, there was a woman in um, Haverford. And if you're listening, awesome to you. I heard you had 
uh, knee surgery. She had knee surgery. They didn't want to go down, you know, literally yeah, with yeah. like two, mm-hmm. I, two, three weeks or so forth. And she walked her street with a sign. Aww. Wow. That, That's amazing. And, right. That's crazy, and and again, yeah. that fills that cup up because we all know you keep getting in this and it's hard. So yeah. when I saw that, I was like, again, tears. I was like, see, I'm a big, you know, hard ass. And here I am crying because the woman's <laughs> walking by herself in her little community. And, mm. you know, that's amazing. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. I mean, just seeing the amount, not not only the number of people, but the fact that they're actually like paying attention and like, you know, learning stuff. I'm I'm basically counting myself among them because I wasn't involved that much before the 2016 election. Like like you said a minute ago, you know, do the do the work on both ends. Right. You know, it's absolutely necessary. Uh, They had a lot of um, voter registration. Um, If it wasn't, you know, the Women's March, actually, I don't know if you've seen it, Gina, um, has uh, or if you've seen it, Mike, a a, uh, texting for voter registration. Um, You know, of course, go to Women's March, Facebook or whichever, and you can see it Um, because they're all about making this, you know, your voice, you know, your voice is your vote. Um, there were, if, if it wasn't organizers from that, that were registering all of the, or making sure that these people that were attending were, uh, registering, there were separate tables from all sorts of different, you know, organizations that were making sure at the very least people were registered to vote, which is of course amazing. Um, and then of course I go back to that mindset of, you know, all, all of the, uh, groundwork that, you know, is always necessary in these things. And I go, you know, if we could just harness just a 10th of that, a 10th, we would never have to worry about elections, you know, not going in our favor, yeah. a 10th of those people. So again, if there's, you know, a message in that unity, we need to keep dragging that unity, you know forward you know come out you know i promise it's not as scary as it looks you know the first 10 doors you knock and you know this and and you know this yeah. you know the first 10 doors you knock yeah it's a little scary well, nerve-wracking yeah. right but, but after that you're like oh i got this this is easy and then of course you know the next campaign comes and you're like 10 doors in first again you're like yeah. oh i forgot what this was like yeah. i knocked so. i knocked like 47 or 4,800 doors while I was in Virginia. Yeah. And like, I'm running for like a Derby committee this year and like all this stuff. And I'm like, Ooh. I really don't want to do that again. But like, you have to. My favorite yeah. quote that I've heard since like the resistance began was actually while I was in Virginia with one of their delegates. And I don't know if she made it, but I heard it from her. So I'm going to quote Delegate Marcia Price <laughs> in Newport News, Virginia. But she said, you know, be the change, do the work. And I think that's really, really important because kind of like what you're saying, if we, if just like a tenth, but I'll say a half <laughs> of the women in Get them. around the world or around the country who marched yesterday would knock a hundred doors between now and November 5th or 6th, whatever the election is this year. Like that's a game changer. Like right. that's how Democrats win. It's, you know, it's proven that Obama completely changed the game when he reinvented what field is. And I think, um, I think it's really important when you are vocal or the, the silver lining I've always found with this whole Trump administration is like how many people are actually aware. Oh yeah. And like know things that maybe a year ago, five years ago, they didn't know mattered. And like, that is so great. But like, I also am like, 
then go knock doors and tell your neighbors about yeah. it. Like, yeah, come but, to committee meetings. Yeah. Like, please. Come to a young Democrat meeting. Yeah. <laughs> when the is it? Fe- February 13th? I think, that's, plug I, in there? I think that's tentatively yeah. February 13th. But <laughs> the, the way that I've kind of heard it described is that everybody who came of age during the Obama presidency, uh, which is, you know, most of the people that, you know, we're talking about when we talk about young Dems. You know, they kind of got complacent. <laughs> like yes. they figured, oh, this always works this well. This is we never have to do, you know, a ton of work because the government is not always going to be trying to murder me. Um, Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> now we're seeing that that's not always the case. And I'm glad that people are responding with appropriate action like that. Right. Um, one of the other things uh, I follow uh the organization run for something yes. on Twitter. Uh, and uh, the the founder of that group was just retweeting every sign that she saw uh, photos of that was something about encouraging women to run for office. Right. Um, and there were there were so many, <laughs> so, so many. Um, so I think that's another really sort of big, you know, big component of the Women's March and things like right, that right. is, you know, don't yeah. don't just march, run. Right. And I think. Um, one of my favorite signs that I saw, actually more than once yesterday, was uh, we march in January, but we run in November, which is yes. awesome. Yes. But to also go back to kind of bring it all together, kind of like what you were saying, like when we were growing up in the Obama years, like we didn't have to worry about our government killing us. <laughs> but also, and it's what I tell my friends and colleagues all the time, is like I was 15 during his first run um, or 16. I don't know. I'm old. Um, but I was old enough to you know knock on doors back Hang then. On. <laughs> you we'll you just did the math. We'll put a pin in that and come back to it. Um, but like the thing I always tell people is like when they talk about like, well, Obama did this and Obama did that. I'm like, yeah, but Obama had a huge field program in which people were knocking doors and raising him money and doing this and that. I was like, we are those people now. Right. Like we could have been those people, you know, 10 years ago, but like now we actually are those people and we have to be because the people who ran obama's field program who were his field program like they are not here anymore right like not, they're not dead they're not that no, old but they're but, not but in it the yeah way they're, that they're they not were. they don't have they're not here like right. they have earned their stripes right. and everything and there's a great documentary it's on netflix and it's about obama's run yes. and you follow different uh people who were engaged in the process and one of them is a young man and he doesn't spend a ton of time on screen but he started off as a volunteer like a year and a half before the election and by election night was like a field director in a state running their gotv nice. program and it's like it really is like that's how i got involved like i got involved on the campaign like two years ago and now i work in a firm and have worked on campaigns across you know the east coast and so. you find um that's something i always tell people um through that volunteering you know you find out what it's all about and and how it works which is even more important sometimes because then not, you not understand not always pleasant but definitely right, it's important not, <laughs> of course not um but then you understand how um like one of my first uh i i had uh so if if I remember it correctly, I had been a committee person you mm-hmm. know, with, within that first year. And then, of course, the beginning of last year was my first introduction to petition season, which 
any sane person who ever has to go through that will run in the opposite direction and never return um, <laughs> because it, it it's a ton of stuff. But you don't learn – like there's no manual for it. And even if there was a manual, it wouldn't tell you all the things that can go wrong and all the things that, you know, you that, that the, the small nuances that can occur. And, and so then you learn how it works. And, and, you know, I always invite people, then come in and volunteer for these things so that you understand how the next process works and the next process. And you need to be a part of it. You need to be in it. You need to, you know, be able to, you know, understand. And it's on the job learning, I guess, or on the job <laughs> training, maybe. So, you know, but then it, you can sit there and be right. like, you know, be the change, do the right, work. Right, right. And it has to happen from the inside. Yes. You know, it, it doesn't, we can't, and again, that, that's my huge, it's always been my huge kind of uh, rant, so to speak. Um, we can stand outside and, and protest all we want we can scream and and it's great to be out there and being like you suck you know and, and stop you know being horrible human and at the same time one of the biggest ways of getting rid of him is back to petitions to get a candidate on the ballot a campaign to get that you know candidate elected so running right running yeah. running yeah, everybody yeah. run for office. Yeah, like basically, for real. There are or so help many a campaign. And we did have a ton of women uh, candidates from Delco that were with I us saw, yesterday. Was awesome. It was great. Yeah. I saw Jen O'Mara was on the NBC broadcast. Yes, yeah, the yes. Six o'clock news. And then we had uh, I, I. She wasn't. Um, I know she was in the crowd, but um, Joanne Phillips was somewhere. Oh, awesome. You know, Aww. in the back. So like those that had ran and won were there, and then our future you know women that are running were there it was just it, again roller yeah. coaster you know tears yeah. everywhere <laughs> it's all right i had enough kleenex we're good pat me in we <laughs> talked about him a minute ago anyway on to a later topic yeah i'm I, that's let's make that the only time we say the guy's name because okay. like extra fuck this guy yeah especially <laughs> after do, do you want to let that one out of? yeah the story of course breaks in the new york times like as people are on the trains home from the women's march, that a certain Republican congressman uh, in our area. In the most gerrymandered. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in the most ridiculous, stupid ass fucking district. Donkey ever. kicking. Yeah. Wait, no, goofy. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's dumb. It's yes. super dumb. There is <laughs> The only thing dumber than the district is the guy who currently represents it. Yes. Um, as you're about who, to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Who uh, apparently is jealous is like the jealous lover who turns into a stalker in every freeform movie. He apparently had a crush on some staffer that was young enough to be his daughter. I think it was his granddaughter, wasn't it? I I hope not. That's even it's grosser. Even but more. I'm substantially me. substantially younger than not me. his wife. Yeah, not his wife or <laughs> or his children, which I guess is a positive. I don't know. Credit where credits due decided that when he when he found out that she had a boyfriend who was age appropriate that he was going to ruin her career uh make a settlement for uh sexual harassment using taxpayer money uh and then basically treat her so poorly that she not only had to leave politics but she had to leave the country um so that's your representative most of you in delaware county uh, there's so much to say on that that i don't even know where to begin like we've, she and we've, left the country and i feel like a scumbag because we have spent about half of the total time of this podcast talking about true sexual monsters um but oh my god but i also think well one i think it's a good thing because i think whenever these stories come out about democrats or republicans 
somebody will always ask me because in my personal life because I do this now they're like oh like are you surprised and I'm like no and they're like oh do you know something I'm like no but I'm a woman like I'm <laughs> I'm a woman I 24 7 I was catcalled for the first time I was 10 years old oh my God. walking home from middle school <laughs> So like no, I'm really, really not shocked I'm that super trying not to laugh. All but that's just, no, it's, it's like the insanity of it. But it's like not... that's the thing is like, and that's why I get so like to go on like this mini side street rant is like when women deny that these like when they're like oh but he's such a nice guy or always does this or always does that I'm like yeah sure like every guy can be a nice guy but like if he catcalls or harasses or writes a really really inappropriate letter to his staffer which he did a handwritten letter that is on file and i want to read it more than I want. So not badly. only that i so think I, is it bad is it bad that i think like the fact that it's handwritten like makes it even creepier, creepier. Yeah. Oh, okay yeah because yeah, yeah, like, you took you took some time to do yeah. that you took I mean, some time to be a creep age <laughs> i mean it's true. also showing that he's like definitely not age appropriate in, for this young woman in fairness i've written i've handwritten letters to people oh but why yeah. did you handwrite them what was it with the intent that usual like most people hand whoops handwrite things is because there's a certain intimacy level you yeah, know like exactly. you hand you handwrite your letter letter to grandma or exactly. you know exactly. to mom or whoever you know so that just adds to the creepiness that uh, of you know what yeah. was going on there like i'm you know giving you my handwritten letter right yeah right. and so it's just like no i'm Outside not surprised of, what was it wiener in the in the texas like you know like, <laughs> yeah come on, there's, you, there's, know? you can either you can either send dick pics to somebody right. or you can write you know my dearest margaret and your fanciest right cursive, uh, right <laughs> i was actually still at the march when i saw that oh, pop up um, and, and there was just like, there was a part of me. I, so I guess I was lying when I said these things don't surprise me anymore because there was a part of me that went, are you kidding me? Like, I think I was shocked because I was just like, oh, like so many things ran through my mind. Like, well, is he going to step down? He has to step down. Like, this is actually like not great. Like, it's and not even one of those things where it's like accusations. It's like he was accused. She like didn't say anything. She just like well, went through all the proper. Right. right. She went through all the proper channels, though. Like she had evidence and she went and he was found to be like wrong. Like he did it. And, and then everything's on file. And then like he ruins her life and she leaves. And then it's like not even her. That's like, hey, anonymous, like. This is what happened to me. It's like, no, like, people just investigated. Did we mention that he's on the ethics committee? Oh, he's on the <laughs> e Well, he was. Yes. Was, yes. Because Paul Ryan did, like, the first good thing that he's basically ever done and take, took, took him off the yeah, ethics but committee. Yeah, that took, like, what, two, three hours? <laughs> like, you didn't think that they didn't know that that was coming, that that could have been, like, you yeah. know, kind of an instant throw I'm sure, out? You and know? I, you're always sure that regardless of what party this scumbag is with, you're, you know for a fact right. that the leader of that particular party and that particular you know house or whatever knows what the hell's going on i mean yeah and and, and, and ethics committee sorry that's just still I, making I, me I, like oh, i'm that i'm laughing he was about. big into the whole like we should need to have a sexual harassment uh policy yes like yes. that was his thing in the last few weeks like my dude <laughs> like he i it's just like it's like he made a Gross. list of like what he could just you know like the cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. oh <laughs> like yeah and, and what's the mindset on that i really hope they don't remember that one time that i was super creepy and inappropriate like like uh, or right. that they don't find out where are you at because i'm pretty sure that that's you right. know kind of what they do is they find out yes. yeah. yeah it's just and and on top of all that 
on top of being creepy, ruining a woman's career and all that stuff, he then used taxpayers' money to resolve his issue, which, like, is a huge problem that's happening in D.C., obviously. But, like... I'm really pissed about the guy that's representing me doing that specifically. And I haven't even, has he put anything? Oh, no, he did. He denied it. He denied it. Which is hilarious because it's like, it went through a committee. Like, it went through something. What were you denying that you. Well, it's like when Bill O'Reilly is like, I didn't do it. It's like, you don't pay $30 million because you're innocent, my dude. Like, you fight that. For $30 million, For $30 I'm million, fighting yeah. if people are going to think I'm a sexual assaulter or a sexual harassment. All right. So the really interesting thing to me is this guy's a shitbag. Like, if he doesn't resign, I guarantee he doesn't win again. He is being primaried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. It's not great, but like, <laughs> he is being primaried. <laughs> Technically. Um, but that suddenly makes this, uh, this 7th District race very interesting because we've talked to a few of the Democrats that are running for that nomination. Not not only that, if you um, and, and I don't know how much of the process, you know, that that you understand for it or, or even like most people would understand you and I would. Um, there could be potential for a special election. Yeah, that, well, that's what I was right, going to say. Right. Um, like. I wasn't shocked because, like, he's a dude and he did this. I was shocked because I was like, do we have a special? Like, does he resign now? Does he just, like, not seek re-election? What if he resigns? We could have a special. And then this whole uh, (laughs) district might be getting redrawn. Right, And then, like, the primary. Like, so many implications. Like, I almost had an anxiety attack thinking about it. So then I was just like, you know what? Not gonna think in, about in it. In my head, when when I when I saw that, I was like, special. Oh no no no! Like we, no, st- we no. Like that's a lot of work, and and not that I I. It would make me happy because then he goes away, but that's crazy. Uh, yeah, because it's the worst case scenario as far as like the most pain in the ass thing that could happen is he resigns. There's a special election sometime probably in the spring, I guess. The, the state Supreme Court says, yeah, this thing is gerrymandered on partisan lines, so we're going to overturn it. You have to redraw the, line, redraw the maps for the congressional districts. And then they do that, and then all of a sudden we have the next election come up in November. That is, that is like... <laughs> right? Well, no. I can see the tears forming in your eyes right now. No, because wouldn't it be we would have a special, right? Well, so right now... Or they could even appoint somebody, but that's, like, crazy. Right. So, right now, you would look at it, the gerrymandering's coming before that. So, we'll yeah. know before that. Um, which still doesn't matter, but, like... Like, so then, for the... Then do... Because, like, our primary hasn't been solved yet. Right. Like, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, do you have a special primary and then a special election? That's right. And then you have and your normal so primary that's what and I was normal Right, election? and that's what I was going to okay, go with. Okay, because if it's that, then I don't want to live here. Right. I'm re-registering. <laughs> Take me it. to the first with Bobby, Nina, Lindy, and the other people. Like, Yeah, that's yeah. well, that's another one. I mean, All I I'm guess we is... can't stop. That's another kind of crazy... That's up to how many? Five or six? six? About 300, yeah. <laughs> 300 for each. Yeah. Which is not necessarily but the worst problem I think that we're looking at. It's is that people bad. are interested in running. But I really hope that everyone, and do take note, anyone listening, that if you're really interested in running, 
It's a lot of work. Be prepared. Well, that's I don't want to discourage. It's, it's but good work be and it's good work. Right. It's work worth doing. Right. But you know, it's, it's not just for the faint of heart. I yeah. mean, Pat Mianardi. We talked about this earlier. Pat Mianardi has two point five million dollars, mm-hmm. and January thirty first is still a week away. So we don't know how much he raised in his in the last quarter of the year. Does he have to pay back for the settlement? Like, I don't. Take do we even know when the settlement that? was? Because of the way that they, the way their sort of process works. We don't know when the payment was or how mm. much it was because they can basically classify it as salary so that nobody knows <laughs> cool. how, how big it is. Yeah. Anyway, but. Send them a bill for it. <laughs> no. But that was part of part of the deal was that he was uh, taken off the ethics committee. Uh, they said that he should pay it back and a lot of people said that he should resign. I mean, um, yeah. Was that, and, yeah, and has that been across the board? Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Not I, I haven't, you know, really, you know, I read it, I posted it a few times and across, you know, different things, but I haven't gone and and looked in depth to really see like what the other, because I do sometimes try, <laughs> sometimes try to see what the other like. Does he have anyone defending him? Are there like mm-hmm. anyone out there going like, ah, and you I go mean, like. Ugh. It's all the basics that everybody, all the Democrats are saying he should resign immediately and be catapulted into the sun. And all of the Republicans are saying, boy, that's, that's, you know. Unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. Prob- troubling if true. Glad it wasn't me. Yeah. You know. Um, so what the was usual. she wearing? Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's the sucky thing is like there's not a lot of information we won't know. Like, I bet you if we knew how much of taxpayer money he paid, he would actually piss off a lot of Republicans because... Oh. They, I'll this I'll say the fiscal anyway. Yeah. That I mean, yeah. Like, how do you? I mean, they should piss off argument? anyway. That that's is who's representing right, him, and this right. is how he treats the people that are around him. But like, man, once you put a dollar amount on things, like you get those Republicans fired up, tension yeah. real quick. What? Oh yep. yeah, you paid how much to what with my money? My money doesn't go I mean, to that, anything. That, I was just gonna say that's the reverse argument we get all the time. You know, like I don't want universal health care because it costs right. money. I don't want him paying for some creepy, shitty, you know, things that he's doing. I would rather that money go to a welfare recipient than a sexual harassment suit. Just saying. Call me, call me a libtard. Call me a progressive. (laughs) Um, Snowflake is perfectly fine with that. I'm, yes, I'm all those, I'm the nightmare liberal progressive that your mom and dad told you about, Delaware County. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. So in case you couldn't tell, we're not fans. No, <laughs> pet, at all. Pet me and not a friend of the show. <laughs> we do not want you on. Oh, right. wouldn't that be interesting, right? Uh, I will be say, terrified. I will say, and I posted this on Twitter, and it is 100% legitimate. Uh, if that guy that quit the Virginia GOP, uh, he's like he was like some 28-year-old up-and-comer in the Virginia GOP. He quit the party because basically Donald Trump was too much of a fuck with he has a standing invitation to uh come on to this show uh if he's a fan of the washington capitals he gets to co-host otherwise he just gets to be he gets to are be you, interviewed wait are you a capitals fan no 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 heavens no, no. no. <laughs> heavens no man i thought this was a even trap. if he was he just learned <laughs> yeah. he was real quick to learn to be like no no no. i think he I just, thought this was a trap i was nah, like nah. great now nah. we really are. we're gonna accidentally drink poison behind us or <laughs> we're gonna get murdered because nah, I'm bleeding we're orange. washington bleed Cat- orange and black no okay thank god <laughs> as long as we just like know what's you know what, what we're up against but <laughs> you, you know what speaking of though like what's your meter for not yours but like what was his meter that that finally tipped the scale like where in that were you I, like no that's too much <laughs> fuck with like too far, you know yeah, yeah like 
Also, this, this is appropriate fuckwit. That was too much fuckwit. Yeah. Like seriously, where, where is I mean, the level? I mean, I'm 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 glad that it happened. Like I'm glad that he came to his senses and realized, okay, I can't hang with this anymore. It, would it have been nice for it to have been earlier? Absolutely, but I'm not gonna. You know, I'm and not going to poo-poo been, it. I'm not going to say you're not. Everybody has their come-to-Jesus moment. Well, yeah. and, and there has been, there was an article recently that I had just been skimming through. And, and you know, it's about how all, well, not all, but there's a ton of these voters that are going like, holy shit, look what we did. Like, we're not doing that again. Where do we stand with that? Like, like it's hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm, like, Oh, I like, like, do you go, very much go back and forth with it right. all You're the like, time. You're like, dude, how, how do you, like, you know what this is? The world's tiniest violin. You know, <laughs> you know I, what this is? Do we approach it? Well, not we, but like, do you approach them? But I also say, think like, like, is it, oh, Trump is just too much and he's unprofessional and this and that? Or is it like, no, I still believe everything the he's doing. Values. I just don't believe what he, how he's doing it. You know what I'm Which saying? Like, I tend to believe more than right. Like for me, at least, like I've never met somebody who's voted for him who's like, and now suddenly I believe in universal health care and that like we don't live in a welfare state, like, and all this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like all yeah. those like stereotypes. Like no, it's just like he's unprofessional. Like he shouldn't be calling. Like I'm sorry, the president of the United States shouldn't be calling other leaders names or anybody names or. You know what I'm saying? And I think, like, that's where people get is, like, no, like, we thought that would stop once he becomes president. I was like, you're an idiot you know, if you m- thought that was happening. M- my seven-year-old doesn't have a Twitter account because, you know, I know what he would, you know, tweet. It would be random stuff or it would be, you know, so why do we keep letting, Let's let's let's, let's wrap it up by being very sad that you just compared the President, president of the United, of the United States actually my- <laughs> to someone one-tenth his age. So my seven-year-old actually probably would do a better job than, you know. I think Mike's cats he was afraid- would do a better job. So so um, my, oh, my and you guys, I think I told this to you. My seven-year-old, we took, you know, to the Air and Space Museum in Washington, and he was so excited. But then in that same moment, he went, but wait a minute. Donald Trump's not going to be there, right? <laughs> and I went, that came out of my seven-year-old's mouth. And of course, we assured him we didn't have to worry because, in fact, you know, it's not like he was going to be there anyway. He was almost definitely golfing. Right, right. You know, or we don't go to those, pl- or he doesn't go to those places. Yeah. So. I love that it was just like, because we're going to wrap this up, I love that it was news that Trump decided not to go to Mar-a-Lago because the government wasn't shut down. I was like, oh, he did his job? (laughs) He was real mad about it, though, and he spent the entire day, uh, according to, I think, the Washington Post or the New York Times, one of those papers, said that he spent the entire day watching old videos of him insulting Obama for that shutdown in 2013. See, I had the visual that he was, like, locked in a room with with a a golf club just smashing stuff, like, like a tantrum throwing you know what's also (laughs) really funny to notice like we're talking about this and we haven't even talked about that stormy lady the porn star like think about that (laughs) That i just want that to be said like we're not going to talk about it but like we could yes because we're 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 enough time maybe we're at the point where we have three career destroying scandals per week coming out of washington dc and none of them fucking matter. Anybody remember how pissed off we were when Barack Obama wore a tan suit and put yes. his feet up on the desk in yes. the Oval Office? I thought he looked great in that tan suit. Oh, oh he, he, he he's made got it work, the skin but... complexion to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> White people uh, are just mad that they would look a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say it. I think, honestly, that's why people at Fox News were so mad because they were like, 
I would never be able to pull this fucking shit off. Also, disclosure, this podcast is not friendly to anybody under the age of 13. <laughs> parental parental guidance is advised. So <laughs> let's keep going on the 7th District here, but shift gears pretty substantially. Uh, we're actually going to listen to the conversation that I had with uh, Dan Muroff, who was running for the 7th District uh, nomination. Enjoy. <laughs> Mr. Dan Muroff received his bachelor's degree in history and political science from Drexel University, then his JD from the Illinois Institute of Technology's Chicago-Kent College of Law. He's previously served as president of Ceasefire PA, a gun violence prevention group, president of Conservation Voters of Pennsylvania, promoting environmental policy, and chief of staff to U.S. Representative Mike Capuano. He is running for the Democratic nomination for U.S. House of Representatives for Pennsylvania's 7th District, which includes large portions of Delaware County. Dan Muroff, welcome to the Delco Young Democast. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, we'll start with just the basic stuff. You know, where did you grow up? What was your family like? Yeah, sure. Um, well, as I said, thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to introduce myself to uh, to your audience. I uh, am originally from Havertown. I was born there. I was raised there. Lived there through uh, not just my formative years, but actually I, I lived in Havertown until I was 25 years old, so really through my young adult years as well. Um, went to Hanford Township Public Schools throughout. My mother actually worked for the school district of Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, served on the executive committee of the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers. So I was raised in a union household, and uh, union union concerns are my concerns. I am uh, proudly pro, pro-labor, uh, pro-union. Uh, uh, and in addition to that, you know, after after high school, I went on to Drexel University, where I uh, as you said, I got my degree, my undergraduate degree, and then I worked in the environmental industry as a field chemist for a couple of years before heading off to law school. Uh, then I went out to Washington. I worked on Capitol Hill for seven years. I was chief of staff, as you said, for Mike Capuano for most of that time. I also worked for Jim McGovern, uh, both of them members of the Progressive Caucus, uh, really uh, terrific guys, and both of them supporting my candidacy. Excellent. And my wife and I returned to the Philadelphia area where I've been uh, active in so many pursuits. I was uh, worked on a couple of campaigns, the U.S. House and U.S. Senate, Dan Wofford, Joe Huffle, worked in the state Senate, and uh, you know, uh, just established my own practice. And I've been doing some of the things you said. I've been working as a, I was president of Ceasefire Pennsylvania and president of Conservation Voters of Pennsylvania, both the venerable statewide advocacy organizations. Really proud of that kind of work. You know, you mentioned your mother was uh, in the teachers' union. Uh, were they really politically and civically active, or was it just sort of like sort of this goes with the territory sort of thing? Uh, well, I, I used to joke uh, my mother was something of a professional picketer. <laughs> Back in the seventies, they were, the school districts were allowed to to picket, no longer allowed to do that. In Philadelphia, and so there were. I mean, my mother was on the on the lines. A lot, and I mean, I, I can't even remember how many years—not necessarily in a row—but they just every every couple of years that they'd be going out. And um, you know, she fought for for good wages, and it was it was being raised in that kind of uh, with with those that security that helped ensure and ensure that I was able to to go forward and get an education and. And uh, really just to have food on the table every day. I mean, it's really important. I think that we give short shrift to uh, 
to, to labor at our peril. Yeah, and that's actually something that I want to uh, get into a little bit more uh, in just a minute. Um, but just to kind of get get the rest of a sense for uh, you know why you're doing what you're doing, you know why is why is now the time? Why is the seventh seventh district race the race uh, that you wanted to jump into? So uh, you know, a lot of people were very alarmed at Donald Trump's ascendancy, and you noticed that election. too. <laughs> yeah, I'm included, but. but <laughs> But that wasn't the reason that I was compelled to run for the seventh congressional district. I mean, that's a uh, there's a there's a lot that I I want to do to fight to resist this. Um, but what I observed was Pat Meehan. Pat Meehan being labeled as a moderate. He's been labeled as a moderate effectively since he was elected, and he's not a moderate. I mean, this is a guy who's voting. 92% of the time with House leadership. Since he was since Donald Trump was elected, he has been voting nearly 90% of the time with Donald Trump. Mm. Uh, this, is, this is no moderate. Uh, this is a message that uh, I felt that this guy is not representing the values of a community that I, you know, have called home for a very long time. And I, uh, I thought it was time to, to tackle it. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, that this is... You know, you've got a lot of history in this district, but, you know, has has there been anything that's kind of like surprised you that has been said to you or that you've heard uh, since you launched your campaign? Surprised me? Um, how do you mean? Um, Just something about the district that you didn't realize as a whole. I mean, the the seventh the district covers parts oh, of five counties. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it is not a natural, it's not a naturally designed district. And it is hard for me to to see how communities in Berks County and Lancaster County are sort of, you know, connected as communities with parts of Delaware County that are in this district. It just, it is far flung. It's disconnected. It's disjointed. Uh, it is sort of a cynical design. Uh, and we all know why. And we're hopeful that that's going to change. Now that may change in the coming couple of weeks. We don't know. But um, I, my, 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 if I were to put money on it, I think it's going to happen. And I won't say that I was surprised at the design of the district, but boy, is it, uh, you really get a sense of the distance. Uh, it's just, I'm driving halfway to Harrisburg to go to the parts of Berks County that are part of the district that are closer to Harrisburg than they are, you know, Tupper Darby. To shift gears a little bit, uh, you mentioned growing up in the union household. I said we were going to come back to it. Uh, I know just a couple of days ago you got an endorsement from the Plumbers Union Local 690 in Philadelphia. Just for some context, I want to spit a couple numbers out real quickly. Uh, union membership in the U.S. is hovering around 10%, which is the lowest since they started tracking these numbers back in the 1980s. Uh, Pennsylvania union membership is around 12%, so it's slightly higher. Uh, but if we're just looking at workers under 35 years old, that number is less than 9%. Uh, so why do you think union employment generally, and especially union employment among younger workers, uh, has been declining so heavily? Well, I think, uh, you know, unions, have, um, unfortunately, have been blamed for a lot of the, the, a lot of the problems. You know, they're fighting, for, they're, they're fighting business, they're a problem for against business. The proof is, is that unions 
help our economy because when people have resources, they help to spur on the economy. When people are you know, are just fighting to get by to pay basic bills, they 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 can't they can't lift up the economy. Uh, we we lose our middle class, and we're just moving money to the top. That's not a way to have a a robust economy. Uh, and so, what I want to do is fight to support unions and fight to support more um, greater, uh, you know, wage growth for people uh, who they can have uh, the kinds of uh, the, the kinds of income so they can have a living wage, so they can have uh, the kinds of um, um, access to a, a lifestyle, maybe a vacation now and again, and maybe retirement. Because what we're seeing increasingly is in the private sector, there was a time 30, 40 years ago when people expected to have a pension, a private company pension. They're almost, you know, they're, they're almost gone. Those things don't exist anymore. Um, and that is, uh, that's, I, I think that's a, that's a, a uh, a, you know, a dangerous place for us to be. Where do senior citizens go? Do they go to Social Security? Well, Social Security is oftentimes under attack. I mean, they, the Republicans just initially, they just passed a, a bill with Pat Meehan's not only support, but his authorship mm. that is a, a tax scheme that moves money away from um, from average people and move it to the top one percent. The problem is, it can't. It's not even paid for. So where are we going to where are we going to go for that? They've already they've already given signals. They're going to go to entitlement programs, to safety net programs. They're going to take those away because they're going to say we don't have the money for it. And you know that's you know that that's just frightening. What are people going to do if they're going to have to fight for Social Security? You know what? What did what, we just have a couple of dollars to live off of? Where did they go? I'm 33 years old. I'm not convinced personally that I'm ever going to get to retire. Unfortunately, um, it's a, and and that's alarming that you feel that way. See, that's the thing. It's people are afraid, and I understand the fear, but we're not doing anything to allay that fear because we're going the wrong direction. We're taking away the resources so people know that they can have a, some sort of a safety net as you get older. The protections from, uh, uh, you know, if, if you can't become disabled, um, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security. You work a lifetime, you want to have a, a, a retirement. You know, it, it's something that, that I think most every American would just simply like that much. That's it. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of folks in a lot of other countries don't even necessarily think of that as a luxury. It's just, you know, social safety net is what they have, and they don't they don't have to constantly fight for for it from their governments. Yeah, I know on your website you have a lot of different policies that you lay out. Uh, but you know, what other than other than the uh, the things we've been talking about, what what sort of priorities are going to be your biggest economy wise and jobs wise? Well. So as far as the 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 the, uh, the past thirty years, we've seen this erosion of jobs. Right? A lot of people have been blaming other, whether it's 
immigrants coming across the border, calling you know labeling them illegal. You know, no person is illegal, but labeling them illegal, blaming uh, other nations. Um, and some of that is, as far as other nations offshoring jobs, some of that is true. And certainly, to some extent, many jobs have been lost in a race to the bottom for the lowest, the, the you know the lowest cost production overseas, and 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 with conditions that we would never tolerate here in the United States. But most of those jobs that have been lost in the past thirty years were not lost. uh, offshore. Over 80% of them were lost to automation. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind because what what that says is that people need to be prepared for the jobs for the future. And that's all the time, whatever the future is. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, the future will be a different future from that that people are facing in the next 10 years. But if we're concerned about the job loss and the effects and the impacts and, and the rise of Donald Trump because of the, the dislocation of so many people, and particularly in rural America where they don't have the access to good-paying jobs, imagine what the next 30 years are going to bring. I'm very concerned about things like, you know, we don't want to get wonky, but art, you know, artificial intelligence and the impacts of, imagine this, truck drivers living in rural parts of America – you know, long haul sole proprietors. What are they going to do when those trucks are automated? What happens to all these gig, you know, uh, gig jobs? Uh, people are, you know, people are being able to supplement their incomes. A lot of people, of all ages, actually, driving Uber or Lyft. They're not getting benefits from that. At least they're getting paid something. A little something, yeah. What happens when when cars are driverless? I mean, this is the way the industry wants to go in the next 10 years. The, what we need to do is we need to invest in infrastructure, in education, and create jobs and and make sure that people are ready for the jobs that are created. Make sure that our economy supports that. Make sure that edu- not everybody needs a college education, but everybody needs skills training for the jobs of this one third century. Not looking back to coal, not looking back to jobs that simply aren't coming back. Uh, even in coal, even in coal, they're automated. You don't need anywhere near the amount of employees to do the same work that was done 50 years ago. Yeah, I think I read a statistic recently that uh, uh, out of the 50 states, 49 uh, saw declines in coal-related jobs last year. So. <laughs> Definitely not coming and, back. And, and I just and – and absolutely not. And to answer your question, my focus is going to be giving attention to education and training and opportunities for, you know, not only for young people, but particularly for people who are older who need to, to, to retrain, get new skills, and find themselves opportunities in this economy. We said at the top uh, you were the president of the Conservation Voters of Pennsylvania for a while. Uh, can you tell us why you got involved with that organization? Well, I have a, a sort of a lifetime passion of envir- working in environmental stewardship. I think we have a responsibility, a kind of a fiduciary to the next generation, to make sure that we leave the world, you know, 
we'd like to leave it better than we got it, but at least not not worse than we got it. Again, we're going in the wrong direction. Um, when I, after undergrad, uh, when I went into the workforce, I started working as a field chemist in the environmental industry. And I chose in law school to, to, to go to one uh, a school, one of only six in the nation at the time, that offered an environmental certificate with a degree. And then I, when I went to Washington, I also did environmental policy. So it's been a long-time passion of mine. And so when there was an opportunity to serve on the Board of Conservation Voters, I was excited to do it. And then they uh, invited me to serve as a, the board president. I did that as well. So I care about environmental stewardship. I care about our environment. It's, it is uh, obviously at the at, at the top of the list. The immediate priority, a crisis in the making, is global climate change. But there are so many other challenges uh, to our environment, and uh, you know, I it's just to me, it's a it's critical critical that we do more to create a sustainable society that doesn't pollute. And um, and which can create new jobs. Yeah, just to kind of touch on that, you know, are there specific policies that you'd pursue uh, in Washington to help kind of bring a little bit more green collar economic development to the seventh district? Well, I'm I'm a big fan of the um, of the tax credits for you know solar and wind and sustainable energy. Uh, this administration, which seems to to to, to promote the, the idea that Global climate change is a hoax, a Chinese you know, mm. uh, hoax of uh, some sort, putting somebody in to head the EPA who doesn't believe in climate change. <laughs> um, uh, you know, th- These are the kinds of things that we're going to be I mean, working, obviously, to confront and to expose. But um, yeah, in addition to the tax credits, which I'd like to see over in this administration, I think it's going to be tough to get, get them to agree to it. Uh, I do, at the local level, I want to give specific attention to something that um, uh, I think has been um, sort of alarming, this uh, Mariner 2 East pipeline. That was actually next thing I was going to bring up. Locally, our, uh, the Democrats that recently got elected to the Delaware County Council said they want to revisit risk assessments for Mariner East. Uh, the State Department of Environmental Protection recently shut down construction for like the 500th time or something like that. So yeah, I just want to get kind of your your thoughts on the Mariner East 2 pipeline and you know what you can do from the federal level to make sure that if pipeline projects go ahead, they're both safe and environmentally responsible. Uh, yeah, thank you for asking that. Look, I think I think that the the planning for this was first of all giving Sunoco some sort of um, uh, status as utility, a private company. I'm not talking about a regulated monopoly here. We're talking a private for-profit company, a utility status, um, was cynical at best and actually just a a violation of government's fiduciary to the electorate at worst. But it's where we are today. And my concern is um, that... This pipeline is going to get built. It's going to get built on the easements that exist, or uh, the they're going to use eminent domain to take where they they need to complete it. And the mechanisms of state government aren't there, I think, or haven't been. And I, you know, I'd like to see the governor, the governor do more. 
uh, I'd like to see this project, um, hit, you know, it's on, it, a pause button has been hit, but there should be a risk assessment for the project overall. If And if this project gets completed, as I anticipated may, because this is being deemed an intrastate, that is a Pennsylvania-only project, therefore it doesn't trigger federal mm. um, federal involvement, if it gets completed, uh, it's my my commitment is to give specific attention to the risks associated with an active pipeline at that point, which is to say, uh, this is you know, liquefied uh, gases. This is a, a very different, qualitatively different material than has been pumped in, in these lines uh, past these neighborhoods in years past. And I think that you know, everywhere from I think Homeland Security has to have a, a voice in this. Uh, I don't know that, again, that this administration is going to step up to it, but I do think that if there are, this pipeline is going within a very, uh, you know, just yards of elementary schools, this ballistic, say, you know, I, I just feel very strongly that we need to be very serious about the prospect of. The, the kind of you know the kind of problems that can come when people don't plan smartly and they put these things you know they run you know I, they run these lines in uh, a dangerous uh, dangerous location without a lot of benefit to Pennsylvanians. I mean the the real benefit is to Sunoco and uh, the materials are going to be for the most part shipped offshore. Yeah, sent overseas for plastics production. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. I think it's something like thirty permanent jobs or something to that effect. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 not significant. No. The permanent jobs that are created from this. There's obviously a lot of money in it uh, for Sunoco, uh, but uh, uh, I mean, and there'll, there'll be some more permanent jobs uh, at the processing plants. Uh, there'll be some. You know, the reality is, is that the design of this, where it's placed, following the existing easement as if it was uh, this Sunoco's utility and this qualitatively different pipeline to run past these elementary schools, this was a mistake in the first place. Never should have been, never should have been allowed. And that's why I I don't disagree with those who are calling on the governor to give a, to do a risk assessment on this, and and if if uh, that's on the on the construction of it, but then beyond that, uh, if it is in operation, then we have to do the same thing at the federal level. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear there are at least at least some oversight steps that you can take uh, from the federal level. So that's that's comforting. <laughs> Well, if, if you get your your boom a little bit to the administration, this is an executive branch uh, role. So, you know, Homeland Security and others. Yeah. So, another past leadership role that you had was with Ceasefire PA. Uh, so, can you tell us a little bit about your work with the group and their mission? Sure. Um, so, I uh, again, I uh, have been an advocate for gun violence prevention, and I have fought for that. Um, I think gun violence is preventable. Uh, it not it's not entirely, but but much of it is, and uh, we need to do a better job at taking making sure that illegal guns are off the street, and that those who don't uh, and shouldn't have or shouldn't have 
guns in their hands, you know, don't get them. Furthermore, I think that certain kinds of weapons just don't belong in civilian hands at all. Um, I think we can all agree. I mean, you know, nuclear arms are arms. I don't think anybody has an absolute <laughs> right to all arms. Right? I mean, I we're, I don't think we're in disagreement. I think we're just disagreeing where the line may be. Yeah, I think you, I think you have a fair point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is to me, it's it, it is a uh, it, it has been so deeply troubling the way that the NRA very cleverly has uh, has been able to manipulate elected officials uh, who are somewhat either beholden to them or who are frightened of a primary challenge if they don't follow in lockstep. By way of example, more recently, after the shootings in Las Vegas and mm. and in the in the public psyche, we learned about what a bump stock is. Honest to goodness, I had never heard of it, and I'm pretty familiar with guns. And I, you know, I'm I will tell you that I uh, uh, kind of I, I've gone sh I've gone shooting, skeet shooting um, on many occasions in my life with my brother-in-law, um, but I don't know what a bump stock is. I've never heard of it, and when when we when we learned what that was and we learned that it effectively turns an AR or a K, an AK into an automatic then you know the NRA <laughs> cynically sent out republican leadership to say yes we maybe should pass legislation about this i was uh, i was stunned i said that's that's a that's a that is not real. Those guys are being sent out there to try to give us a head fake. I knew it at the time, and I knew nothing was going to happen. Mm. Sure enough, nothing has happened. Yeah, lo and behold. Um, yeah, I, 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 it just it smelled like a rat, and I was certain of it. And sure enough, I wasn't wrong. Mm. I do think when people say, "Well, how can you change things?" I do think you can change things by making sure that. You vote this issue. So if you're a voter, and uh, everybody who's listening is a voter, if you're voting on a bunch of issues and you say, well, I, I like I like this guy, I, I, like their, I like their positions on mostly everything, they haven't been that great on gun violence prevention, but I really like them on other things, that's not enough. You need to vote this issue, too. And that is to say, if... There, even if you are vote, you like somebody for other issues, but they vote the wrong way on this, hold them accountable. And that is what's going to make a difference. When, when elected officials fear this position as much as they feel the fear the NRA's position, that's when we win. One of the one of the more interesting things uh, that I saw on your website uh, was that you you talk a lot about gun violence as a public health crisis. Can you explain why that's that's the approach you take? Well, sure. I mean, you, it, it is it, it's it's fairly to me it's fairly it's fairly um, it, on its face, right? Um, people get shot, they go to the hospital, they find themselves disabled or dead. Um, that is, um, to me, the definition of a public health crisis. Um, it is, uh, you know, it is, 
uh, the number of people who die um, on the wrong end of a gun every year is uh, is alarming nationally, uh, 30,000. And we, we don't give enough attention to this and how we contrast with other advanced countries around the world uh, or compare um, in that we have a problem that other advanced economies simply don't have. And it is because of the easy access of guns. A lot of gun violence is actually self-inflicted, intentional suicide. Hmm. And uh, that is, but that is no less of a concern because if a person, you know, they might uh, try to off themselves some other way, it's a little harder than just pulling the trigger. Um, it is, uh, it's the ease of use of a gun. And unfortunately, the reality is while I would absolutely continue to support anybody's right to have a handgun in their home, a gun in their home if they so choose. The reality is a gun in the home does not increase your safety. It actually increases your risk. And that's just, that's just a fact. Um, with that said, if it's handled well and properly stored, and that's how, you know, that's something you want, you absolutely should feel uh, comfortable that, you know, the Second Amendment gives you that right. But, uh, but what I want to do is I want to reduce gun violence and the proliferation of illegal guns and the easy access of illegal guns in our society. Another public health issue uh, that's kind of getting a lot of a lot of attention right now, unfortunately, uh, is the opioid epidemic. Among 25 to 34 year olds, the death rate from opioid overdose is almost 27 per 100,000 people. Uh, that's more than the homicide and suicide rates put together. Um, it's twice the rate of gun violence, which we were just talking about, and three times the rate of car accidents. Uh, what do you think is the first step to address this serious crisis other than you know, the lip service that uh, the Trump administration has been paying to it. Well, um, I'm going to share a story with you. That is, um, you know, unfortunately, I, I have a, a personal story that, um, uh, you know, a lot of people have a personal story about this. Um, so I was raised uh, with a, I had a mother and a sister. My sister was 11 years my senior. And from the time that I was, you know, I, I think around three years old, um, she had a substance abuse problem, mm. and that uh, went on for all, all of my life uh, until um, uh, I was in my late 20s. I share with you that her addiction uh, devolved uh, ultimately into a heroin addiction, mm. and uh, it did not end well. And we lived through that, and the impact on a family is something that uh, I share with you and uh, your listeners that it is something that uh, until you've been through it, um, you know, you, you just don't know how it impacts, uh, how it penetrates everything in a family and how it tears apart and tears at a family. Yeah, I, so, I, I'm sorry to hear about that. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I listened. There was a time when it was uncomfortable for me to talk about, mm. and there were times in my ch childhood it was deeply, I was deeply embarrassed and ashamed about it. Mm. Um, when when I hear this administration talk about cutting programs, effectively cutting programs that provide services like treatment, 
to those who are recovering from addiction. Uh, it, it, it's personally upsetting to me. Okay. Uh, it, it, hits a, it hits a nerve. And when I see them put in Kellyanne Conway to somehow be the face of <laughs> the, the response to, you know, to the opioid addiction crisis, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know if that's, if that's supposed to be funny. I feel it's tragic. Yeah, it's a it's terrible not, attempt if it's supposed to be funny. I mean, I, I, it's just, you know, it's, it's alarming to me. Um, so what I want to do is, uh, this is something when I talk about healthcare, because I always talk about healthcare as being a priority, not just for me, but I think for, for every American, um, for everybody who is looking for security in life today and in their, in their older years, we need we need universally affordable, legitimately affordable, accessible health care for everybody, however that takes shape. But with, you know, within, that, within that broader uh, issue, the opioid addiction crisis, which is, is, a, is a tragedy nationally, is acutely so in Pennsylvania, and is even more so in Delaware County. And most other counties in, in Pennsylvania, uh, it is something that I uh, I want to give uh, give voice to, both as something as a family member. Uh, I don't know how you want to characterize it. Some have said you know as a survivor of it, I, whatever. I'm not personally, but as a family uh, member who went through another family member's struggle with it, uh, and I I, I want to give voice to it, and I want to fight for the resources to help those who are struggling with it. But I also want to hold those accountable who have been complicit or worse in, you know, you know, in this, uh, you know, make, making, uh, making these kinds of drugs accessible, available to people mm. who find themselves very shortly thereafter addicted. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's it is so stunning to me uh, that people are just making money off of this in a way where they're just turning a blind eye to the consequences. They have to be held accountable. Do you think that a less addictive substance like mar medical marijuana could be a viable uh, alternative for some patients? Medical marijuana, I think, uh, if it is prescribed for, and I think I, I'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about, that medical marijuana could be used as a way as a, a way to um, um, sort of yeah, uh, a take, pain. take away the, yeah, the pain associated with, with whatever uh, mm -hmm. treatment that people are looking for. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that, is the, that is the model of uh, what medical marijuana should be and could be prescribed for. Uh, I think it's... Um, there's a, a, a series of of ills that are um, of illnesses that are uh, that are listed as uh, you know treatable with medical marijuana, um, and I and I you know I applaud our state legislature and uh, and obviously our governor for taking um, a leadership role in advancing this. Um, it's uh, you know, it, 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 we are we are one of now a majority of states that have some form of medical or you know uh, totally legal uh, marijuana 
Um, for certainly for medical use, I think it's uh, I think it's really long long past due. So uh, we put out a call on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, uh, if anybody had any questions that they want us, wanted us to uh, ask you while we had you. We got one question from uh, listener Scott, who just had a very simple, very short question, uh, which is, where do you live? Well, uh, good question. I live in, uh, <laughs> I live in, in the 7th Congressional uh, District, but in White Marsh Township, Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually, my wife and I have uh, for for a host of reasons. Um, but we we were looking to downsize, and we are um, moving to uh, media uh, to a new home, and uh, we're going to be doing that in just a matter of a couple of weeks. So we have a busy couple of weeks ahead of us, but we're excited about it. We just bought it, and uh, very happy about that. Just to wrap up, what's one last thing that you want our listeners to know about your campaign or your plans? Well, I just um, I am uh, uh, excited to do this because I believe what we want to what we want to do is we want to uh, uh, take on Pat Meehan, and I think that I am the right person to beat Pat Meehan this year. Uh, I've been raising money, I've been uh, preparing myself. I also think that I have the right background, the right sort of temperament, uh, the right uh, um, right understanding uh, policy. And the community, a community where I grew up, uh, that I think I'm the uh, uh, I'm the right candidate to to take on Pat Meehan this year. I'm excited about this opportunity, and I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to present to your audience. Dan Murroff, thank you so much for joining us on the Delco Young Democast. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right, so. It is time for everybody's least favorite part of the show that we still willingly do. <laughs> what did millennials kill this week? This week, millennials are killing Costco. I, <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. Like I kind of don't how want far? to. Uh, this was an article published on the 19th in the Washington Post. Um, <laughs> there's a Costco to one side of Gwendolyn Hammer's house and a Sam's Club to the other. But when the 28-year-old needs 12 packs of paper towels or 36 rolls of toilet paper, she heads online instead. Once a month, she uses her smartphone to place a bulk order on Box.com, a website founded five years ago as a millennial-friendly alternative to warehouse wholesalers. One quote from an analyst at the research firm Forrester uh, says, The core club customer is older. It's generally someone with a family and a house. Costco has been one of the least digital-forward companies out there. The segment has had its head in the sand when it comes to competing with Amazon. So basically, uh, we're not shopping at wholesale clubs and buying, you know, 300 cans of tuna at a time and apparently uh, we don't have children or, or a house yeah <laughs> like, no we don't have families I mean, we don't. Or houses. yeah i mean we can't Crippling afford death. houses i was yeah. just gonna say <laughs> and we certainly like... can't afford children <laughs> <laughs> some of us do both anyway but uh yeah so uh i i remember going to bj's wholesale club with my father when i was a kid and stocking up on like all of the sweatpants that we could possibly fit into our cart right next to like you know, three boxes of frozen Elio's pizza right next to like, you know, 40 gallons of mayonnaise. Or yeah. <laughs> 3000, you know, Car Tylenol oil. pills. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Every set of tires that I bought up until I was like 23 came from BJ's. But yeah, is this, is this a thing? <laughs> How 
let you go first because I've done this many times. I have so many thoughts. I'm so so I'm I'm a little afraid for this because I actually have a Costco membership. So like, <laughs> man, like, is the one millennial keeping Costco right? I'm like, alive. should I take the card out of my wallet and cut it up now? Like, because apparently I shouldn't be in there now. To be fair, I I really don't use it as much as it probably is supposed to be there for and i probably do use things like amazon and although now i'm like great there's a box online like thing i didn't even know about this like, oh that's awesome you can order and get special made oreos to your house now i will show you the link anyway we're getting way off topic that's awesome now. um so to go back to that um when i have been in costco it's usually because i you, believe it or not uh the like the picnic like the delaware county <laughs> picnic i went to costco because that's where you go when you have to buy 200 300 cups or 70 cases of water because it just makes sense or five thousand um, hot dogs five thousand <laughs> yummy hot dogs um <laughs> so but in that kind of shopping experience now that i think about it i'm like yeah i probably was the youngest person in there by about like 30 years oh yeah there was um, a statistic that the average costco member is like four years older than the average of all americans yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, i mean it's very i'm much... not gonna i'm not gonna lie you know i d there were maybe not 30 years but at least a solid 15 but i mean like so i have two thoughts on this so one is like we don't need things in bulk because we're not having 10 children right yeah. now in this day and age. But two, I don't see it as a bad thing if things in bulk are dying out because like Americans, Western culture, especially we have too much stuff. Like we just have too much things. Waste. And yep. like how much food do we waste a year and how much trees are we killing with paper plates and paper towels? Like, yep. I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing for this. To quote Pasquale Cipollone, we might kill Costco, but we're not killing Social Security or the ocean <laughs> or the ozone layer. Like, I'm not feeling bad about that. And it's just like, no, I'm sorry. I don't need to feed these many children. And I don't think it's that much bang for your buck if I have hot dogs that say in my, you know, freezer for 13 years because I, I can't eat 500 of them. Right. And I think, but you know what? It, all kidding aside, when I look at Costco, I go, that's exactly what we're, we're arguing against day in and day out. Yeah. Is this just mass, you know, kind of bulk store that just keeps feeding? It's kind of like I get an image of this person just being spoon fed constantly. And yeah. it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until they explode. Yeah. Monty Python. Monty Python with, yeah. Yes, yes. Mr. Kind of Creuser, like, yeah. <laughs> what about a wafer thin mint? No. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, but, you know, that imagery of, like, from a political standpoint, you know, you keep being fed that, you know, same rhetoric over and over and it keeps getting big. Costco's kind of like that, you know, like these bulk yeah. amounts. And But you know what? I Time and time again going in there, they're, it's, it's not millennials. It's just people mm. not wanting... 40 gallons of mayonnaise because it's not really healthy <laughs> and, I mean, and we we've we've specifically been talking about costco but you know the other Bulk warehouse stores, stores yeah let's talk about sam's club for a second who just shut down 60 stores oh. after announcing hey look at how great we are for giving all of our employees this tiny little bonus, bonus yep you know like companies that do that kind of thing don't deserve my money right right <laughs> well and th and that's was that touched in oh, 
you know, on the I think it was article, like the last paragraph of the article, maybe. I can, which maybe we're yeah. making, I don't know, get 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 this conscious decisions about where we're putting our yeah. money. Like, you know. Yeah, I, and I think, like, it's also something, going off of, like, Americans have too much stuff, we're not having enough kids. I feel like we're in the, this day of information where you can literally just, at your fingertips, like, Google pretty much anything, everything. And, like, people are very much aware. And I think, like they were not being spoon fed what's on our television and what's on our radios anymore. Like we're very much guessing what is being told to us. We're arguing and challenging every thought that's been put into our heads. And so, yeah, we're not going to buy things from Costco because we don't need to. And like, we're not being, at least me and my friends, we are very much aware and we try to be as conscious as we can of our choices in terms of like minimalism and mindfulness and essentialism. And like, I totally encourage everybody to look into it because like you realize how much shit you have and you're like, we don't need Costco. Yeah. Yeah. We don't Although need BJ's. I, we don't need I'm, Sam's I'm Club. I'm not going to lie. The chocolate chip cookies from Costco, <laughs> like, I swear they've stolen a group of, like, an army of grandmas that they just keep locked in the back of the Well, bakery. they're going to be dying off soon so, anyway, know, it sounds so like, like so they crappy, can die. But then I can then I can order the, the custom Oreos. So, I'll send yeah, you that link. I need that link. <laughs> I will say. Costco, out of all the things only, that we're killing. Oh. The only time I've ever contemplated a Costco membership or something like that. Besides tires. Besides tires, that was on my dad's on my dad's account. Um, that time when you realize at the worst possible moment that you've used up the last roll of toilet paper in the house. Fair, <laughs> and you're like, I really needed thirty yeah. of them. I'm just waiting for all of the think pieces. You know how like people are like, why are we keep writing think pieces on Trump voters? Why not people who didn't vote for Trump or who pe- who people are like really like affected by Trump? And I just want one goddamn article about all the things the generation above us has killed because it is endless. Like yeah. I'm sorry I'm killing wait, wait, Applebee's wait. and Costco, <laughs> but like you're killing my social security which, and drinking which water. Which one do we get to go for there? Because you know one of those we can in the corner over here we can throw things <laughs> at. That's Generation X over there. Okay, man. let's dive out of this. <laughs> let's pull out of this fucking kamikaze definition here. Which, by the way, just so that you all know, is the reason I got the Costco card, because he needed a pair of uh, certain colored gray pants for his American Legion, right? And that Generation and that is where X. Yep. Generation X is the reason I own a Costco card. Generation so X is the reason look. for all the terrible things in life right now. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. You can fire me for it. Uh, Gen X or boomers? Boomers. Defense, Sorry, boomers. Sorry to the I boomers. I'm happy to go to Old Navy and pick me out a pair. <laughs> but we were actually informed by a dinosaur. A boomer. We were told by a boomer that that's where you got yeah, the. Wow, look. <laughs> the only thing worse than a Gen X is a baby boomer. So. It was a boomer. Yep. <laughs> so. <laughs> but just to sort of, you know, as a palate cleanser, uh, let's talk about, you know, since self-care is important, what's something that you enjoyed this week that has absolutely nothing to do with politics? So hilarious. It, it, it does sort of involve. Well, I always have the luxury of children to kind of take that away because you know except when they're asking me about trump um but believe it or not and this is hilarious because of being so busy and being perhaps younger i 
laughing to even say it. I crochet, right? Nice. Like, you know, you go like, oh, it's so granny sounding. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but I finished a blanket that I started, and you'll appreciate this, during phone time, phone banking for the Delco Victory 2017 campaign. Oh, my God. So I, and, and you get it, right? Yeah. Like, when you're, when you're phone banking, you're like, oh, you know. So I would sit there, and I started a blanket. I literally just finished it. Congratulations. And it is huge. So you can tell like how long. But you know what? It's one of those things that you complete. It's like playing video games. That's the other thing I do. We were just talking about it. I have a uh, link to the past in my SNES. Nice. Nice. So it's either crochet or it's playing the SNES. Um, But it's one of those mindless things that literally you don't have to pay attention to. You don't have to. So you can just kind of. It's like meditating in a really beautiful. But then I have stuff I can be like here. In fact, uh, we gave, um, I had a whole collection of hats and um, scarves that I was like, great. Because people will always be like, aren't you going to sell these? And I'm like, it's really not why I do it. It's like therapy. And uh, Rose Tree Media support staff was having a collection for uh, hats, coats, and door. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And I was like, oh, do you take handmade stuff? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, guess what? Guess what I have? I have like three 18-gallon tubs full of. And so I was just happy that it went somewhere and that I knew it ended up going to Pathways. Oh, cool. And then being sent out. So, yeah, that's my, my strange habit. <laughs> God, self-care. Or actually, I think that's why I'm sick because I haven't taken any self-care. Um no my boyfriend james and i so it's restaurant week in center city philadelphia i encourage everybody to go it ends on the 26th um and we went to one of my favorite restaurants in the city sam pan i encourage everybody to go it's delicious but while we were there like our table wasn't ready yet and like i'm clearly very political like it's my job and he's someone who's very politically minded and very politically aware and so like i try not to talk about like depressing things all the time (laughs) and so while we were waiting for our table and we had like a glass of wine he got the uh saints uh minnesota game streaming on his phone which was really nice because like the place is really dark and like it's really loud but like it was just like the two of us like standing real close in a corner and i was just like man i love this guy like this is really great and so world melted away yeah literally and it's so nice because like sometimes i'm like oh wow like this is the world that we live in and i'm like oh my god and i work in it too (laughs) why do i hate myself why do i keep coming back what about you mike we actually went it's really amazing uh that you tell this story my wife and i took a cannonball run down to washington dc last weekend ourselves and we went to the air and space museum uh among other places we it was really cool we went to see this uh this exhibit at a place called the renwick gallery which is one of the smithsonian art museums Mm -hmm. um it was basically uh i forget the woman's name francis glesner lee i think um, she built all of these tiny little like dollhouse sized dioramas of crime oh, wow. scenes. <gasps> it was the level of detail was insane. Wow. Um, it was, it was, it was a little crowded for us, but, um, you know, that was like a super cool thing. And then we got a really awesome lunch and then we actually went to the air and space museum, uh, where I got this here selfie with the Hubble telescope. Yes! <laughs> Wait, that he, was actually my seven-year-old's favorite part nice. of the whole thing. Was the I love the Air and Space Museum. Well, it, I, and the best part is, is that he refuses to go to the air part, and he just stays in the space part. Nice. <laughs> Wait, I need all that information of that place because I'm going yeah. to D.C. in like three weeks. I think it, I think the exhibit ends either this weekend or next weekend, unfortunately. Uh, um, 
How surreal, though, is that that you do this and for in the same place where the, all of this crap happens that you can also walk into a museum and be like, we almost, Science. Went, we almost, Technology. we almost went, we walked past the U.S. Treasury building and we almost went to see the replica Liberty Bell that they have in there <laughs> just because. Right. But I mean, but, like at the same time, it's such, I mean, that's how monsters are literally working like a hundred yards from us. But it gives me it being there and kind of seeing everything and walking down the mall and seeing the museums and stuff. It gives me some kind of hope that this is a temporary situation. And as long as we keep working, it is a temporary situation. That is That's a beautiful. beautiful way I'm, to end this. I'm going to take the final word on this one. That's going to do it this week for us on the Delco Young Democast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please check us out on Facebook. Please check us out on Twitter at DYDemocast. Uh, if you have any questions or feedback, uh, you can email us, Mike at DelcoYoungDemocast.com, Gina at DelcoYoungDemocast.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Because